0: Welcome to the CRISPR revolution. This is CRISPR Cuts, a podcast dedicated to the world of genome engineering. Take a break and join us as we guide conversations with an expert CRISPR cast
1: about this cutting edge science.
2: Welcome, everyone, to season two of CRISPR Cuts. As we go into 2021, I am super excited to start our first episode with two very special internal guests. Our first guest is Paul Dabrowski, CEO of Synthego, and our second guest is Bob Deans, Chief Scientific Officer at Synthego. Welcome, Paul and Bob.
0: Thanks for, for having us. Um, it's really exciting to be back. Um, I've always been uh, a fan of how we do this, so
2: thanks me Great. Yeah. And um glad to have Bob debut his podcast here. So let's, let's start with you, Paul. Uh, 2020 is finally over and what a year it has been. I think I speak for the whole world that we are excited to get into 2021. Uh, are you relieved, Paul?
0: You know, that's a, that's a tough question uh, because in 2020, we went through a lot of ups and downs, obviously as a company, uh, but overall as a society. And to think that 2021 will uh, simply be uh, a complete transformation. I don't know, it, maybe it's wishful th- thinking, but that's, that's what I'm certainly hoping for. I think for 2020, we're generally underestimating the, the mental health impact on what we've just gone through. Um, we as a, as a company and as individuals, we've have, had to reevaluate all of our plans fairly consistently and regularly. You can't go into the kind of that easy mode where your plans can, can stay set and you can just execute against them. So it's been constant, constant turmoil, a fast moving crisis, a global pandemic. And there's been some realizations and some really, really interesting uh, opportunities that have come up uh, specifically in CRISPR. There's certainly been an acceleration of using next generation tools in biopharmaceutical innovation. There's been dozens of very interesting research uh, papers and articles, uh, some including specifics around coronavirus. And fortunately, we at Cynthia have been uh, contributing in collaboration to a couple of key papers. And what you see is um, the promise of a scalable acceleration of diagnostic and therapeutic research and development. And so, as we're kicking off 2021, we're recommitting ourselves as a company to continuing the support of the global scientific community, uh, to really uh, keep discovery, getting further and further into the genetics, helping accelerate the development of cell and gene therapies, and ultimately delivering uh, life saving medical advances. And there's there's quite a bit of excitement, specifically within Synthago, about how we're going to expand our offerings, and how we're going to grow the current business.
2: Yeah, so just kind of continuing more on that, you know, if we were to think of silver linings of 2020, there were definitely some successes specifically for Synthego. So as you mentioned, we had these publications and we secured a large funding round, several launches. So can you speak a little bit more about how is the upcoming year looking?
0: I'd say the upcoming year is is very, very uh, exciting and interesting. I think as the whole world starts to return to a norm post vaccine, hopefully, let's say by middle of the year, we're back to more of a norm. Uh, Maybe that's optimistic, maybe it's pessimistic, Um, but we're excited about the return to labs. We're excited about the research programs uh, coming back uh, full steam and uh, what kind of demand that's gonna generate for the platform technologies to study disease, to reprogram biology. And as new gene editing tools continue to emerge, sophisticated bioinformatics and machine learning are really paving the way for unprecedented data integration. And I think we're going to see a lot of that uh, really go into the combination with a precise and vastly scalable genome engineering platform. Last year's launch of our uh, Halo platform, going from a bench all the way through clinical grade reagents, was really exciting. And this year we're excited about taking some of those capabilities all the way from reagents into the cell engineering through our proprietary technologies.
2: While we are thinking about just the silver linings of 2020, besides Syntego's specific success, there has definitely been a lot to cheer about, right? So this has been an amazing year for science. And Bob, specifically, if you think about the breakthroughs that we have this year, do you have any favorite picks from those? Uh certainly do, me. thank you uh, for offering the question.
1: I think from the perspective of therapeutics, I vote for the validating clinical experience with first patients treated in sickle cell disease and really seeing that opening doors for CRISPR-based editing for global disorders broadly. You know, I think underneath that, knowing that in several cases that our GMP quality programs were supporting those programs makes me really proud. And I think what I'm really looking forward to in 2021 really are advancing from our research program in controlling CRISPR activity using guide chemistry and really advancing our ability to evolve CRISPR off and evolving new enzymes uh, together. But that's really not my favorite, deck. I think the science that I've seen and enjoyed most has been the collective use of computational tools and genome editing uh, combined to map COVID targets for drug or vaccine intervention, really showcasing how we can engineer biology looking forward in 20
2: Right, and Paul, would you add to that or do you have separate picks?
0: It's really hard to choose one. So specifically when it comes to the COVID response, there has been a really interesting acceleration of CRISPR-based diagnostics with Mammoth and, and Sherlock and other examples. I think that's that's one that's very exciting. And another is really the, the reality and realization that CRISPR is safe in clinical applications for cell therapies. These are both the beginnings of a whole, whole new world and a whole new approach to really large categories of diagnostics and
1: therapeutics. Yeah, it's a really good point, Paul. You know, we, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we have been engaged in the response to the pandemic and really you know, offered up a lot of innovation and collaboration broadly out to the translational community. And as you mentioned, a couple of those, uh, those uh, works came out in publication just earlier this summer. So, we were, were really uh, fortunate to work with Nevin Krogan at UCSF, and with him, we were able to systematically map COVID biology around the uh, interaction of COVID proteins with genes in the human genome. And we were able to build and distribute COVID infectable cell lines with key human genes knocked out to investigators globally and got back very consistent and, and positive results. really a tour de force of a thousand guides with 350 knockout libraries uh, distribution and infectivity assays all in three weeks so you know really really uh, proud of the team for that
2: yeah no that was definitely a proud moment to be you know contributing to any of these diagnostics or even helping all these researchers step up in the time of need So Paul, specifically to that, you know, Synthago was at the center of COVID diagnostics innovation. So how was your feeling to to step up and help researchers during this global health crisis?
0: We're, We're fortunate to have offerings that are at the cutting edge. And what that means is that we as a team were able to really step up and think, where can we best accelerate the the response here? And I must commend our team, especially the operations team and those who have been on site. The refactoring we did of the factories, the operation, the entire company effectively to put safety as our number one top priority. That was an incredible turnaround that happened in a matter of weeks. Um, once we established those precautions and the safety measures and the staggered shifts and literally about a hundred different activities to, to contribute to safety, we were then able to focus on the effectiveness and what is the role that we can play as essential business to help uh, COVID-19 diagnostics, uh, therapeutics, and uh, in some cases, uh, the enablement of of vaccines. And we... we we were able to also work with a number of groups in addition to UCSF. For example, the CDC uh, and several public and private entities and the team really did an amazing job. uh, Effectively with all these extra safety protocols, at first it kind of felt like we were working with one arm tied behind our back, but we were able to still do an incredible job and deliver on time and really demonstrate and showcase the capabilities that we have as a company. And it 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 was impressive to see the 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 commitment of the team and uh, how responsive we were and how we came together.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That was definitely, you know, a period of um testing for all of us and it was just great to see how we could help and just be in a sphere where we can contribute to these amazing breakthroughs. There was definitely one thing in 2020 that, you know, we have to talk about. And especially for me, as a woman in STEM, it was very exciting to see Jennifer Doudna and Emmanuel Charpentier receive the Nobel Prize for CRISPR. So that was definitely a golden lining to the not even a silver one. I would love to know both of your thoughts about it. So maybe let's start with Paul. How, how do you what was your feeling about this?
0: I've been overjoyed for for uh, for Jennifer especially. Um, I, we've known her uh, through through the company, and I've known her personally for for a few years now. And she's just an incredible person, and most deserving of this sort of reward. What came as a shock to me is how quickly that recognition came, because oftentimes the Nobel Committee is known for for delaying for years or decades, or basically until like kind of the last minute possible for for awarding of the Nobel Prize. And in this case, in less than a decade, the response and the impact on the life sciences has been absolutely clear. So CRISPR is now a routine technique that's used in likely tens of thousands of labs and companies to generate breakthrough insights in a multitude of areas. And at this point, as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's being recognized as a therapeutic modality and as transforming these medicines. And so the fact that it's been recognized so quickly is a reflection of what's actually going on in the world. And so I'm, I'm, I'm very proud for Jennifer. She's a wonderful person, a brilliant researcher, and her, her judgment really is impeccable. Uh, and that leads to a, a credibility that's very unique in the field and the life sciences in general.
1: Yeah, I really can't add to those comments, Paul. They're very gracious, and I think we've been really privileged to have the relationship with Jennifer.
2: Thanks, both of you, for for your comments on this. Uh, I was so excited as well to see this announcement, and I agree with you, Paul. It generally takes so long that I had assumed it would be years later before CRISPR is recognized. So just thinking more about that, I mean, we've been hearing about how CRISPR has endless applications, how it's going to be used in a variety of fields, and it is. It is being used in many places. Uh, But then now with this validation with the Nobel Prize, even more number of researchers are going to want to use it. So, Bob, how do you envision the future of CRISPR industry? How will it change from here? I certainly
1: envision a very bright future. So I think CRISPR is about to propel a second industrial revolution by computational tools in order to reduce biological complexity and really bring engineering biology a reality, into a reality. And I think, you know as a consequence of that, CRISPR discovery platforms can interrogate very complex questions using single-cell RNA-seq or long-range genetics like synthetic lethality. And those platforms can be industrialized and we can effectively move our targets into translation more effectively. It's going to be an exciting revolution. I think the second thing that uh, I think about a lot is how CRISPR editing in uh, pluripotent stem cells in iPSC uh, can form a very strong framework framework for discovery with respect to uh, rare disease biology and building the types of diagnostics that can aid in patient stratification and clinical studies or aid in uh, target discovery for drug and biologics development. So. We've also heard recently about advances in algorithms for predicting in silico uh, structural biology. And uh, really what this means is that we can start to harness the experimental features of CRISPR gene editing at specific uh, uh, molecular loci and really begin to understand the relationship, structure-function relationships that link genotype to phenotype. There's just so much more that we're going to see revealed in the next couple of years. It's a very exciting landscape.
2: Great. Uh, Paul, do you have any parting remarks on the future of CRISPR?
0: I would say we're, we're currently at less than 1% of the impact that CRISPR will have. Um, this is just the beginning phase, the early tip of the iceberg. And like Bob mentioned, I think there's kind of a, a focusing of a funnel and the biggest area right now that's having an impact is basic basic r d and understanding genetics uh, and kind of the ability to perturb uh, genes and understand what what happens there and that's that's kind of a basic r d function then you can start focusing more specifically into target identification uh, and really orienting towards specific variants that have to do with diseases and that applies more generally to Pretty much any type of drug that might be created whether it's small molecules large molecules cell and gene therapies and then you can keep focusing and narrowing in where crispr becomes the most powerful uh, portion of a, of a specific use case and i believe that's going to be in specifically cell and gene therapies and in particular in cell therapies and so you kind of go from this paradigm of really broad research to very specific cell therapies that can be created And I really think there's going to be a technotic shift in the life sciences, and it's going to shift the distribution of medicines. It's going to shift how they're created. And there's just going to be a whole new level of precision, speed, and scale that starts to match with overwhelming patient needs. There are still hundreds of millions of people who don't have a drug or a therapy for a fairly serious indication. And I think that that's going to start changing. That's, that's the future of
1: CRISPR.
2: Thanks, I'm excited about where we are headed in this field. Um, and thank you both of you for you know spending time today and just chatting about 2020 and what is hopeful in 2021. Um, so yeah, it was great having you.
0: Thanks, Meadu, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to CRISPR Cuts. I invite you to check out the Synthego blog, The Bench, for more great CRISPR content, please send us any feedback you have by contacting us on Twitter. And if you want to join in as a guest on our podcast, email us at crisprcuts at CRISPR Cuts is a scientific podcast by Synthigo produced by Kevin, Minu, and me, Bobby. Additional production by Resonate Recordings. Our cover art is by Jeff Merrick. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.